Born in mainland China, Jimmy Lai fled as a child, reaching Hong Kong as a stowaway on a fishing boat. At the age of 12, he went to work in a garment factory for $7 a month. By the age of 27, he had purchased his own factory. By his mid-30s, he had created Giordano, making it an international brand. Then came the 1989 Tiananmen Massacre. Mr. Lai sold his stake in Giordano, founding the pro-democracy Next magazine in 1990, and the Apple Daily, again a pro-democracy outlet, in 1995. Since the protests began in Hong Kong this past summer, Mr. Lai has been on the forefront of the movement, literally on the forefront, marching in one protest after another at the very front where the authorities can see him. Jimmy Lai, welcome. Thank you. Before we begin our conversation, Jimmy would like to read a brief statement. Thank you. I'm especially grateful for the invitation to speak at Hofer because this was the intellectual home of one of my heroes, Milton Friedman. I once had the honor of taking Milton to China. I had the even greater honor being his friend. And if he was if he were alive today, I have no doubt he would be standing in solidarity with my fellow citizens of Hong Kong, who are just fighting to keep the way of life promises when we were hand back to China. Today, the Trump administration has its own hands full with China. The disagreements range from human rights, trade, to national security to Hong Kong. Because of its sheer size, China gets away with behavior the world would never tolerate from any other country. My simple message tonight is that bad behavior must be confronted, not at peace. And that you in the West need to have confidence in the superiority of your own system. China is never embarrassed to assert its own values, even though these values are rooted in perhaps the most horrible Western exports, Marxism. America needs to have the same confidence in its values and its own moral authority. America has a vital interest in Hong Kong. Washington simply cannot allow China to tell the US, we want your money, but you have no say in what is going on. When it comes to promoting Western values for China, Hong Kong is the place where America's moral and hard interests meet. There are many more things we can discuss, but I'm going to end it here because, so Peter and I can get to our conversation. If I could leave America with one thought, it would be this. Do not underestimate your moral strength and promote your values instead of apologizing for them, especially when you deal with China. Thank you. Jimmy, there's nowhere to go but down. <laughs> yes, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> Jimmy, two quotations. Yes. Number one, the late foreign policy expert and Hoover fellow, Harry Rowan, writing in 1996, quote, 
When will China become a democracy? The answer is around the year 2015. This prediction is based on China's impressive economic growth, which in turn fits the way freedom has grown elsewhere in Asia, close quote. The second quotation, Jimmy Lai, writing in the Wall Street Journal earlier this month. The West hoped that open trade would encourage an open society. Under President Xi's rule, that hope has died. Jimmy, China was supposed to become a democracy. Right. Instead, President Xi is tightening central control. What went wrong? Well, I think even the West went wrong for the last 25 years, hoping that when China is rich, they will become part of the world community. Instead, they, come, they become a very belligerent competitors. You know, this, this is, you know, hope, wishful thinking doesn't always work. <laughs> Were you on to them all along? Did you, did you feel during these last 25 years when the West was so hopeful, did you feel throughout that period that we were making a mistake? Or were you as surprised as we were? Well, I, I think I made a mistake also. Because after the June, the June 4th massacre, I went into the media business thinking that information is freedom. So if I go into the media business, deliver information, I'm delivering freedom. That would be a wonderful business for a young, for a young person. So I, I, you know, I was wrong. I've been wrong. Mm. The protests. Protests in Hong Kong began last summer when the chief executive, Carrie Lam, proposed legislation that would have allowed extraditions from Hong Kong to mainland China. By mid-June, some two million people, this is a staggering thing, more than a quarter of the entire population of right. Hong Kong had taken to the streets. Now, the legislation seemed reasonable. There was a young man who committed or was accused of committing a murder in Taiwan who fled to Hong Kong. There was no way to deal with him. And so the chief executive of Hong Kong, Carrie Lam, said we simply need to be able to extradite criminals to the mainland right. in order to prosecute justice. Well. <clears throat> Before the extradition bill, China has been encroaching on our freedom by DQing, disqualifying some of the people, you know, for election for the legislative council, and they, you know, they, they, they arrest some of the young, the young people, you know, as political prisoners. So, and many, many of things they have done has shown that China wanted to take away our freedom, and when they actually imposed, or tried to impose the extradition bill, we, we all knew that that is the, the fight of last straw. We have to fight. Otherwise, we will lose everything. If we lose freedom, we will lose everything. And that's why the first time the younger generation who has been complaining of our we old generation, we have been fighting for freedom for 30 years. They ask, what have you, what have you, what have you done? What have we got? we got? You got nothing. So how about now? We, we try our way. And that's why they try out their way confronting the police and we see some of the violence. Um, but even then, the younger generation and the older generation have never been so united in fighting for our home, Hong Kong. As now. 
a, a brief, brief background. Hong Kong is, for 150 years, a British colony. Returned to Chinese control right. in 1997. And in a treaty with the United Kingdom, China promised Hong Kong 50 years of substantial autonomy, freedom of speech. That includes freedom of speech, freedom of assembly, an right. independent legal system, and so forth. And prior to the protests, how well was China doing in keeping those commitments? I think for the first 10 years, I was very surprised that they kept the promise. But slowly, slowly, they're taking, you know, taking away and then amend the basic law and try to encroach on our freedoms and the rule of law and all that. And that's that we know. We can't wait for the 50 years. You know, the one country, two system is going to end very soon. Uh, the chief executive withdrew that extradition legislation in September. The huge pro, September, I, I recall reading in September no. predictions that the students would go back, they were students, many right, of them, right. they'd go back to school. She withdraws the extradition legislation, the students go back to school, and the massive protests have ended, but the protests have continued, and in fact, just this morning, there was a protest of 350,000 in Kowloon, 350,000 is not 2 million, but it is still one citizen in every 20. Right. An, another astonishing figure. Well, it's 300,000 just because the government did not give us the permit to do so. You know, that's why you know, some of the people don't want to, to, you know, to demonstrate illegally. Right. Um, <clears throat> but Jimmy, what do the protesters want now? The extradition bill legislation yes. has been withdrawn. Why are they continuing to protest? Well, because it's very obvious to the Hong Kong people that China is determined to take away our freedom, our rule of law, and we just have to fight. We can't allow that. If we lose our freedom, we lose everything. And that's why you know, some of the young kids they were born after the British colonial past, are determined to fight to die. You know, they, you know, they write, they, they are so determined. And a lot of people ask me, you know, why these young, young kids, you know, they never live in the Western value, you know, because in, in the colonial time, we were, we were living in the British uh, uh, colonial time that was a British law and all that, you know. Yes. Why they were so determined to fight for the freedom? It's very simple because the British did not give us democracy. Democracy is only the means to the end. The end is freedom. But British gave us all the institutions of freedom the rule of law, the human right, the free speech, the free of association, you know, the free market, all that institutions we had and we still have after the British left. And that's why those kids who live in this institutional, institutional environment is so used to freedom. And when that freedom is being threatened, they know that they got to fight. And they, they are, you know, a lot of them are willing to die to fight for it. And that's why this spirit of martyrdom has moved and touched all the people 
And that's why the Hong Kong people this time is so united in fighting this war. Jimmy, let me ask you about the, the nature of the mainland, mm. of the People's Republic of China. On the one hand, President Xi heads the Chinese Communist Party. On the other hand, listen to a quotation from China scholar Gordon Chang. President Xi's signature concept is the Chinese dream, which evokes restoration of the imperial system. Communism, which is committed, at least formally, to worldwide revolution, yep. versus the old Chinese imperial system, which concerned itself with China and its immediate neighbors only. So which is it? Is President Xi a genuine and committed communist or a Chinese nationalist? I think the guy is a fetal, a fetal communist. You know, the guy canceled the tournament, a limit, and you know, make himself the, you know, a president for life, which is a emperor. You know, he just want to get China back to the Mao's time. I think this is crazy. You know, we, we are in, in, in this online world, and, 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 and I think you cannot turn the wheel of the history back to most time, to the feudal time. All right. Let me quote you again. This is, this is something you've written. Mr. Xi is arguably the most absolute dictator in human history, more absolute than Mao, because Xi has artificial intelligence controlling devices. Explain that for us. Well, now in China, the people's life is like an open book to the government. They have facial recognition devices, or you know, it's AI enabled, you know. And where you go, because you, they recognize you, they have those TVs, and what you, what you talk, because your iPhone, have, you know, I mean, your, your smartphone has an app. They know what you're talking about, who are you talking to, you know, what you're talking on the phone. If you done something wrong, you can't buy insurance, you can't have a bank account, you can't buy train tickets or F tickets, you can almost do nothing. And I don't think any emperor in the past, any dictator in the past had such a control on people. You know, you, you just can't do anything wrong. You have to do everything according to the government's rule. And they keep a very close eye on you. No dictator can have such a close scrutiny on people. You know, it's impossible. You know, that, 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 that's why he's the most absolute dictator. But at the same time, there's a danger there also, because with this absolute dictatorship, he's still using Mao's system of control. They, he doesn't have the new control with this absolute dictatorship. So, you know, a system to support this absolute dictatorship needs to go through evolution of trial and error. He never has this this chance to do that. So I think something is going to go wrong because no, but the people never had such a suppression. I'm sure people's resentment and resistance is being suppressed, just waiting for the right moment 
to trigger to explode, like economic downturn or whatever. You know, it's, it's, it's impossible that you, know, you, you, you can have such an absolute control on people without the good system to support it. You just mentioned the possibility of an economic downturn. Yep. We all used to believe, your friend Milton Friedman taught us to believe, that political and economic freedom are distinct, but they tend to go together. But that was before artificial intelligence. Is it possible that President Xi, that the current regime in China can use artificial intelligence, this new development in technology, okay. to retain political control while at the same time permitting enough freedom in the markets to sustain economic growth? Have they invented a new system that even Milton Friedman would have been surprised by? I don't believe so, because capitalism means that government will have no role or little role in the market. And if you have such a control in the market, you just don't have capitalism. You just don't have free trade. Whatever they are doing now, even successful, is just for the short term. Long term, you need the freedom of the people, of the, you know, of the participants in the market to have free trade. You can't have the government of such a strong control in the market and yet have freedom of the market. And that is Hong Kong's position. Hong Kong, seven million people. Yep. The People's Republic of China, 1.4 billion. Right. If you'll forgive me, you are a mouse defying a dragon. Right. <laughs> but that's why they need you, because Hong Kong has the rule of law. Most foreign investment in China goes through Hong Kong. Right. Stock, most Chinese companies that raise money in the stock market use the Hong Kong stock market. Right. So there, there is a sense in which you are, small as you are, you have certain strengths. Definitely. They need the freedom and the rule of law that you represent. Right. Is that right. correct, or am I yeah, being too hopeful? Correct. That is correct. Yeah. You know, Shanghai has developed its financial market for 40 years. Still today, it cannot replace Hong Kong. Just because Hong Kong first had the, the rule of law, which creates a trust institution. Without the trust institution, you cannot have instant trade, financial trade. And what Hong Kong is, is a very free place just because the British had a very small government. You know, the, the, the greatest guarantee of people's freedom is the delimitation of the government's power. And Hong Kong had it. Hong Kong had very small government we had very low tax, 17%. You know, all of you would be very envious. You know, <laughs> 17% is a very free place. And that's why people who would have lived there, benefit from the free market, are so determined now to fight for our freedom. Mm -hmm. Jimmy, what, still on China, still on mainland China, what does mainland China want? If President Xi, could achieve the world that he wanted, what would it look like? And what position in that world would the United States occupy? Well, I think they want to just, just want to dominate the world. You know, that's the way 
the Chinese used to think, you know, there's a center of the world and they want to dominate the world. And this is what she thinks. And that's why he's building the Bell and Road and all that. Um, I think this is a Chinese dream, but it's, a, it's a, so, just a dream. You know, in this country, in, among academics in this country, the debate is whether Xi fundamentally hews to the old Chinese concern, which is China and its immediate neighbors only, or whether he really is concerned with global domination of some kind. And your argument would be that if Xi had the world he wanted, he would be the top man in the world. Yeah, definitely, that's what they want. Yeah. All right, and what position would Hong Kong, if she could have, if she could get on the phone to you tonight and give you directions, directives, and say, Jimmy, here's what we're going to do with Hong Kong, what would he say? What does he want for Hong Kong? He just wants Hong Kong to be the same as any city in China. They don't want Hong Kong to be free. They just can't tolerate a free city which doesn't follow the same values in China. And, and this is a form in their eyes, mm. you know. Hong Kong and the United States, Jimmy. Jimmy Lai, I'm quoting you. President Trump understands the Chinese like no president has understood them. He's very good at dealing with gangsters. <laughs> <laughs> Would you care to elaborate, explain that statement? Well, I think they're the biggest gangsters. That's why they know how to deal with gangsters. They don't follow rules. A lot of people wonder why China cannot follow rules. Any competition has a game rule. Commercial competition has a rule that the Chinese never follow. Just because they never look at commercial competition as competition. They look at it as warfare. It's never competition for them. It's always warfare for them. Whatever they do is warfare because as a dictator, the outside world is always the potential enemy. That's the way they look at the world. Jimmy Lai, I'm quoting you once again. The hardships of the trade war to America are real, but they are also short-term. The question is whether America is willing to endure short-term sacrifice for long-term peace, close quote. So you are a proponent of the Trump administration's attempt to push back against China by right. using trade. Right. The right. tariffs don't bother you. Right. No. I, I think, you know, the right thing that Trump administration is doing is to push China for restructuring, you know, structural change. If they don't change, if they don't follow the rules, if they don't buy into the Western values, the conflict of values will create mayhems, conflicts in the world. The world will never have peace. You know, we better endure the short-term sacrifice for the long-term peace. Just don't just have a deal without having China change the, the, the behavior of dealing with the world. Otherwise, when they become the biggest economy, we have to confront the biggest enemy. We will have to endure 
their way of doing business the same that they treat the MBA recently? You know, we will have constantly have to endure this kind of bullying. It's time for us to confront them, to make sure that they become part of the world community. They become trust partner of the free market and reliable neighbor of the world community. Otherwise, the world will not have peace. We have to stand firm. Jimmy, you just mentioned the NBA. <clears throat> For my wife, who may not have followed this, <laughs> actually, she did follow it. Earlier this month, Daryl Morey, general manager of the Houston Rockets, tweeted a message in support of the democracy protesters in Hong Kong. The Chinese government denounced him, and Morey was subjected to trolling, suffering tens of thousands of pro-China tweets. Then just last week, LeBron James, one of the greatest basketball players ever, entered the controversy. He said, quote, I just think that when you're misinformed, you never know the ramifications that could happen not only for the league, but for all of us in America and for people in China as well. So you have Maury sticking up for Hong Kong and LeBron James slapping him down because, of course, the NBA has investments to protect. Right. And my question for you is, doesn't LeBron James have a point? Isn't business business? And isn't it right for business to protect its investments? Well, when business is business, that's why you get bullied by China. NBA is a very good example. NBA is a household icon. This NBA episode actually has gone down to people's heart and soul of the American people. They feel that they are being bullied yes. because I, NBA is such a big part of their identity. It's just a cultural icon. So eventually, we you know China definitely will, learn, will not learn from this. They will always bully people. If you want to come to make money in my country, you have to follow my rule, which is to have, you have to lay down your moral integrity and dignity to do business with us. I think this will be felt by the American people. I can see the future as a parallel to the environmental problems. Companies who pollute the environment, the customer will refrain from buying goods from them. And that's why a lot of companies, they change from polybag to paperback. And in future, any company who bow down to China just for profit by laying down the moral authority, integrity, or dignity, that will hurt the dignity of the American people. And the consumer will refrain from buying goods from them. I think this will be the greatest pressure the American people can impose on China. And this, I think, will be coming. The nature of liberty. Chinese with whom I've spoken over the last couple of months make a couple of observations about Hong Kong. Here's one. When Hong Kong was returned to Chinese control in 1997, the economy of Hong Kong represented one-fifth 
of the entire economy of China. Right. And today, that figure is only 3%. Well, less than that. Yeah. Less, th yeah. less than that? Yeah. Less than that. That's the first observation. Here's the second observation. Young people in Hong Kong have been priced out of their own housing market, in large part because investors, people have made money in the mainland, mm -hmm. and now they're buying up properties in Hong right. Kong. Right. In other words, so my friends who grew up in the mainland tell me, this, these claims, this, this protest in favor of democracy, democracy, the, the, the desire for democracy is only superficial. What really drives the situation is economics, questions of material well-being. You've got a bunch of kids in Hong Kong who by Chinese standards are already very wealthy and they're whining effectively because their future is going to be more difficult than, it, than their parents' future. Right. And Jimmy Lai says what to that? Well, this is the way China looks at, looks, looks at Hong Kong because they look at Hong Kong like a commercial city. You know, if they make money, have a good life, that's all they need. Those people have a body without a soul. Yes, true. The real estate price is jacked up very high in Hong Kong mm -hmm. because you have a lot of rich Chinese who come to Hong Kong to buy real estates. When they buy real estates, they are not just buying a place to stay. They are buying the rule law, the freedom, the human right, the free press, all that free institutional value they're buying because they are willing to pay so much for this value, they don't mind paying very high price for the real estate. They are paying so much for the value of freedom. At the same time, they think that we don't need it. Is this contradictory? You know, they think that we're just dogs. Enough to eat, have a good life, and that's it. No. <laughs> Not just hardware. We need the software also. We need the institutional freedom. You know, we need, free, we need meaning in life. You know, we need dignity as a human. You know, it's not just food and money, you know. But Jimmy, we are often told, we in this country are often told, democracy, liberty, freedom of speech, freedom of religion, those are Western values. Yes. China has a different civilization, a great civilization, right. an ancient civilization, right. and the values are different. The right. conception of human dignity is different. And you argue, you argue what? That Western values are in fact universal? You can be a good Chinese and protest in favor of right. democracy and freedom right. of speech? Well, modernity is universal. The modern technology, the modern institution, the modern way of market, the modern way of life, all that is universal. All that is based on the Western values. If China insists on asserting its values in this world built on Western values, China is going to create trouble for this world. China 
a China that does not respect the right of its people will not respect the right of its neighbors. That is the trouble we are facing. We must make China part of us. If China has to exert its values over us, we will have constant problems. The world will not have peace because the world is built on Western values, not Chinese values. And China cannot be an island by itself. They will interfere and interweigh into our life by the sheer size of, eco of its economy. On the question of values, Jimmy, can you picture a century from now, let's, let's for one moment, let's remove ourselves from the current controversy. So let's say a century from now. Could China remain China? Could it retain its distinctive culture as a democracy? Could it embrace free markets and remain true to Chinese conceptions of dignity and justice? Could, let's say, the communism, obviously not, but Confucianism, could that fit with Western notions of freedom of speech? I think Confucianism can, yes. It can. Yeah, but, but not the Marxism. Not Marxism. Mar not Marxism, not. you know, right. because I, I, I'm sure China will have to change. China just can't be an island. All right. So, which leads me to, how will this end? China itself. Once again, two quotations, Jimmy. Arthur Waldron, who's a China historian at the University of Pennsylvania, quote, in Chinese history, disintegration begins at the limits of empire. China's disintegration is now underway. Close quote. Here's the second quotation, Yvonne Chu of the US Naval War College. It is too optimistic to start looking toward the end of China's empire. Far too many people support the trade-off of civil liberties for economic growth." Close quote. Your protest movement in Hong Kong has already, as I understand it, buoyed the poll standing of the independence forces in Taiwan. Where does this go? You China mean the, the movement in Hong Kong? I mean, can China tolerate this? Is China beginning to see something unravel, or are you merely a nuisance for them? I think one day China has to unravel. And uh, you know, that's why we are fighting. We think that our fight has the moral resonance of the world. They're sympathetic about what we are fighting because we are fighting the shared value with China, uh, with, with the US and the West. And I've, if we persist, the greater the world has pressure on China, and especially now when China, the economy is not doing well, and they are facing a lot of problems, they are so afraid of their people you know, emulating Hong Kong and go on the street they might give us what we want just to appease us and stop this demonstration. You know, because you know, if they are in crisis, they need to do something. And I'm, I'm sure that they are, their situation is much worse than it pretends. 
So you're hopeful. You're genuinely hopeful. Yes. You know, we, we, yeah. All right. That's China and Hong Kong. What about Jimmy Lai? In 2009, you were the target of an assassination attempt. In 2015, your house was firebombed. Revenues of your publications have dropped in large measure because the Chinese have pressured companies to avoid advertising with you. Just a couple of months ago, your house was firebombed again. You are tailed wherever you go. Members of your family are harassed. The opposition put up a bill, posters. I've seen posters showing pictures of your children so that the pro-mainland forces can, can recognize members of the Lai family when they yeah. see them in the street in Hong Kong. Yeah. Now, after the communists consolidated their power in the early 1950s, your father got out right. of mainland China. Right. Under what circumstances did Jimmy, does Jimmy Lai get out of Hong Kong? I would not get out of Hong Kong because I'm one of the troublemakers. I can't make the trouble and then go. I cannot do that. Well, <laughs> Milton Friedman once said, there's no free lunches. <laughs> if I take the stand, I stand. You know, the way that they treat me, whatever they harass me and all that, that's just lunches. You know, I can't avoid, you know, to pay for it. Um, I have long determined not to be frightened by fear. Because even if I am very careful, very cautious, if they want to take my life, if they want to harass my, my, my wife, my family, all that, we can, I cannot stop it. So I have since long just tell myself, don't think about the consequences. Do what is right. If I always think, if I say this, what is the consequences? If I do this, what's the consequences? I can do nothing. My life is finished. So I had long, you know, very long ago, I just decided, no, I'm not going to think about this. I just do what's right and go on my life. Last. Thank you. Last question. I'm quoting you one more time. This is a, something you wrote and you published in the Wall Street Journal. We, we in Hong Kong, we are not asking you Americans to send the Seventh Fleet to take on China. The American flags you see at our rallies are our way of saying that we share your values. A moment ago, we discussed President Trump. Last question, what would you say, what would you ask of the American people? Just give us moral support. Make us your narrative in daily life, in your political conversations. You know, just give pressure to China. We need your help. Thank you. Thank you. I don't know. Are you thinking what I'm thinking? What I'm thinking is, it must have felt something like this to spend time with John Adams or Patrick Henry. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, please join me in thanking Jimmy Lai. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.